0: Good morning, everyone. Morning. Um, Welcome to the Bridge Zoom gathering. In this neck of the woods, and I'm using that term this morning because it would be something my mom would say. Um, In this neck of the woods, we gather and live our lives on the traditional and unceded lands of the Stolo, Kwatlin, and Semiamu people. We acknowledge this because it matters for many reasons, but essentially so that we don't take this beautiful land and our indigenous siblings for granted. As I was praying for our gathering this morning and uh, each of you who have joined us, I saw a circle. And we were all standing in that circle holding hands. And as someone approached the circle, one or two of us would let go of the hand we were holding um, for the sake of making a place for that new person. It is our endeavor here in this gathering to always make space and a place to belong for those who come through our doors. If you are new in this space, welcome. We're glad to have you with us. And I hope you feel a hand reaching out to yours and that you know that you belong. If you've been hanging out and part of the circle for a while, I would encourage you to make sure that you are extending your hands to those who are finding their way into the circle. And if you want to chat and find out more about this circle, I'm happy to meet up with you at a coffee shop or on my deck or via WhatsApp if you live further away. Just let me know if you want to chat. And uh, we're going to move to our Visio Divina. So when we meet um, here on Zoom Sundays, we aren't able to accommodate uh, musicians and lots of voices singing like we can when we're in church. And so we are trying several different ways of moving into a connection with God, which is what worship is meant to be. So um, this morning we are going to do a which um, means sacred seeing. Uh, so sometimes we do a Lectio Divina um, and, and it's a similar thing, but it's with scripture. So this is not something new or new age it's an ancient form of prayer that continues to be a powerful method of meditation. Um, It's art or the visual that becomes sacrament and opens our hearts to the indwelling spirit of God. The visible um, makes the invisible present in a palpable way. Any piece of art can be the subject of the reflection. It's not necessary for it to be religious art, um, though reflecting on icons is an ancient practice. Um, So this is not new. Um, This is really uh, from early days in in the church. So this morning, this is a picture I took in my garden. Um, Yep, that's a weed. Uh, but it's a beautiful weed. And so um, as we gaze at this picture this morning, notice the shapes, the colors, and the lighting. Notice the detail of both the foreground and background. And once you have visually canvassed the artwork, note what has drawn your attention. It is God that is drawing you to a treasure meant just for you. So this morning, as we focus on this photo, and specifically, we we want to consider how this demonstrates to us that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm just going to take you through these questions. You can consider them. I'll give you a little bit of space between each question. So what about this photo captures your attention? Does what you are drawn to convey a message to you? Does this image call you to something? What word describes your feelings as you ponder this image? Consider what God is saying to you through this image and now find a word or two to reflect that back to God. In closing, I want to share Richard War quote. It says, authentic God experience always expands your seeing and never constricts it. In God, you do not include less and less. You always see and love more and more. Let me just pray. May this be true in our lives, God, that as we open our eyes to see you in the common and the extraordinary, that we would always be able to see and love more and more. Amen. Greg is going to lead us in communion now.
1: Am I on now? Everybody can hear me? That's good. All right. If you've got your elements close by, that's good. I would like to uh, read before we take communion, um, The Lord's Prayer by J. Philip Newell, because it's written differently than how we... Normally hear it um, may it be a fresh grounding for us this morning. Ground of all being, mother of life, father of the universe, your name is sacred beyond speaking. May we know your presence. May your longing longings be our longings in heart and in action. May there be food for the whole human family today. For the whole earth community. Forgive us the falseness of what we have done. As we forgive those who are untrue to us. Do not forsake us in our time of conflict. But lead us into new beginnings. For the light of life. The vitality of life and the glory of life are yours now and forever. Amen. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. May his body and blood transform us in purity of heart. On the very night he was betrayed Jesus took bread and gave thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples. He said, take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and gave thanks. He gave it to his disciples, saying, drink this, all of you. This is the blood of my new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. If you are thirsty, drink the fountain of life. If you are hungry, eat the bread of life. Blessed are all who hunger. For this bread and thirst from this fountain, so if you have your uh, your bread, we take it and we break it, and we partake of it in the name of Jesus. And he said in the same way, take the cup and as you drink it, this is my blood, which is given for you. Drink it in remembrance of me. Together, We share and we proclaim the mystery of Christ. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. Blessings as we have enjoyed the fellowship with Jesus. And I'm going to just take the opportunity to pray for Jeff. He's going to be sharing with us this morning. If that's going to work for Jeff. Yep. The Jesus, we thank you this morning that uh, you have gifted us with uh, truth and life. And as uh, Jeff would share this morning, may the words that he shares, be the words that you would have us hear and reflect on this morning and as his heart has been prepared over these last number of days and weeks may the uh the depth of that um reflection um be heard uh among us today and so we bless him with your uh, your uh, your vitality this morning amen
2: How are we doing? Can, can everybody hear me? Can hear, me? Can hear me? Now, can everybody hear me? All right, thank you. Uh, thanks, Greg. And uh, thanks, Eden, for um, asking and for that awesome uh, little uh, picture to reflect on. Um, Let's just start with a little thought experiment. To imagine, uh, help you imagine who are you really. So uh, if you could be anyone or anything for a day, what would you choose to be?
1: Okay.
2: Or who would you choose to be? I'll just let you think about that. If you could be anyone or even anything for a day, who would you choose to be? So you might have chosen any person or anything. and. I'm actually not going to ask you what you chose, but I'm going to ask you, the day has come and you are that person or that thing. Mm. How do you know it's still you experiencing being that other person or a thing? Hmm. Mm. Yeah. Nice. I, I think that gets at the essence of who we are or what we are. I think you are the experiencer that all these things going on all around us are constantly happening in or to or or with. I think each of us is an experiencer or an awareness or a consciousness. And I actually also like the idea that God is experiencing everything through us as well. Um. A Quote, who we are in God is a beloved child, our identity is no longer dependent on this estimation of our culture, or even of our own estimation of ourselves. Through prayer and the awareness of God within us, we continually discover our true identity, life hidden with Christ in God, which is a phrase from Colossians 3. That's from Richard Rohr. So um, I'm Jeff Cornelson. I'm a white middle-aged male, family doctor from the lower mainland BC, have a house on land that was historically occupied by Stolo, Semiamu, and Kwantlen, and Ducksack nations, and other people probably as well. Anyway, those are some of the things that kind of make me who I am or my identity. Um, it's Mother's Day, so I'm also a very grateful and proud father and most of all, husband to my wife, Bonnie, the mother of our children. Um, I do want to just mention a couple of things about motherhood because it's Mother's Day. How can we not? Um, so some quick uh, reflection questions for you mothers out there in particular. Um, what did it feel like the first Time you had your period you?
1: Yeah,
2: weird <laughs> Dude, <seriously? laughs> you 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 guys can't answer this one um I have no idea. I can only imagine that it would probably be kind of disorienting, uh maybe humiliating, maybe make you feel vulnerable. um, how did it feel when you were pregnant, being sick, achy? Maybe you felt great, some people do, Um, but having a life inside of you, how did it feel giving birth? Mm -hmm. Um, Your body broken? Um, I think that's one thing that maybe we can imagine how a mother's body is given for her children like a sacrament, perhaps, Um, breastfeeding. You give up your own schedule, your own life, your own, and then you literally give of yourself, again, like a sacrament being consumed. Um, And then watching your children grow up and this that was once a part of you becoming its own identity, its own thing, moving away from you, um, watching them make mistakes, all kinds of things like that. I can only imagine, um, that part I can imagine a little bit better as a father, but uh, the motherhood, there's lots of other things you could talk about in that area. But I do think that in a very real sense, mothers in some ways can relate to God and even to Jesus Christ in ways that the rest of us can't very well the part about the vulnerability and the, and the brokenness and, and the life-givingness and, uh, and some of those things. Uh, Meister Eckhart, a medieval mystic, said, what does God do all day long? God gives birth. From all eternity, God lies on a maternity bed giving birth. That is a strange thought. I think another way of saying that is that God is constantly being incarnated into the universe. I would call that Christ. I think that's a really key concept. I know it's probably heretical, but to me, that's a lot of what Christ, like the big Christ, that the Christ, the the one before everything, the one that's after everything, that that Christ. Um, So a few years ago, I shared uh, for Mother's Day and I talked a little bit about how a mother some mothers actually have cells in them there it can be in your heart it can be in your brain it can be anywhere that are not your own cells they're the cells of your offspring your the a fetus that you carried genetically different from yourself that's that's a crazy thought but it mm. indicates some connectedness and i think another thing that indicates our connectedness is um just okay so work with me here a little bit, we're going, we're going physics. Um, So your, your cells are made up of organelles, which are made up of proteins, large molecules. Those molecules are made up of atoms. Remember hydrogen, oxygen, carbon, all those things. Well, those atoms are probably way smaller than you can imagine. Um, You have more atoms in your body than there are stars in the entire universe Hmm. we're talking infinity like numbers like beyond human capacity for imagination um so these things are constantly in flux especially the subatomic particles are constantly in flux being shared we're constantly breathing in and breathing out atoms from others in fact every breath you take you are probably breathing atoms in and out that were part of Jesus at one time, or any other human or living being, or anything. It's it, so. In fact, there's um, back to the connectedness with Jesus. There's millions of atoms in your body that were once part of Jesus' body, or or atoms that he breathed. The connectedness, the connectedness is just, like, mind-blowing. <laughs> so in a very physical sense, you, you you cannot be separate from this Christ. You, you can't be separate from God, your mother, either. Um, so what am I supposed to be talking about today? Um, Eden, a few months ago, gave me a few different options. And uh, one of them was a passage I've loved. For as long as I can remember, Philippians 3, 7 to 11, one of the lectionary passages. I can still recite this from memory. Whatever was to my prophet, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss, everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. What is Paul talking about? You're probably thinking atonement. You're probably thinking self-sacrifice. You're probably thinking all kinds of things like that. I think maybe he's talking about identity. Um, And I just want to explain how I think that. I think he's kind of talking about how we think about who we are. That has a profound influence on how we live, which I think is more important than your mental furniture. But still, how we think about who we are has a profound influence on us. So... My understanding of this passage has definitely evolved, just like Paul's understanding certainly evolved through his lifetime. In the few verses just before this, verses four to six, he outlines how he was a zealous God follower. He had a history of doing all the right things. Um, kind of like me. Always been a Christian. My I was born in a Christian home. My dad was a pastor. I come from a pacifist tradition. We baptize adults so that you know that, yes, I believe, and I'm following Jesus. Um, Mm -hmm. I never had those really wild years. Maybe not until recently. I'm not sure. But anyways, (laughs) um, (laughs) uh, you know, like pat, 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 right? Like, way to go. So Paul actually considers these things all horseshit. Um, and I understand that Paul was using the vernacular word for uh, the street word for poop. So that's what it is. He's not saying that these things are bad. He's just that he's found a different understanding of who he is. So let's review Paul a little bit. Um, Saul, a little while back from where he's writing this strong religious pedigree, ticked all the boxes for following God, but then he meets Jesus on the road to Damascus. Um, I was going to show some photos. I, w- I wasn't able to, but I love this by Sarah on the cover of Steve's book. It's It gives me just this sense of, hear. what's that? Oh, cool. It gives me this sense of a mystical experience. Like you can't explain that kind of stuff that's happening. So, In Acts, it says um, that a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, I am Jesus who you are persecuting. Okay, that's interesting. Paul or Saul had never met the physical historical Jesus of Nazareth. Um, Jesus was gone decades before that. So I believe this is a mystical experience Paul encounters the Christ, and the Christ being the incarnation of God into space and time, the the timeless Christ, and that's who or what Paul encounters, And, and that Christ says to him, you're persecuting me. That's a pretty interesting thought. I think this is where Paul learned the thing that marks so much of his writing, we are all one in Christ. Um, In fact, in Galatians, he says there's no Jew or Greek, male or female. Those are very strong words, and they don't really make sense unless you have a different sense of your identity. In most of his preaching and writing, Paul is not usually referring to Jesus of Nazareth. He's usually referring to uh, this eternal Christ mystery, the omnipresent risen Christ, which we are a part of. Um, other names for that idea, the materialization of creating power. Um, it is being an integral living part of this amazing universe. You are a living stream of experience. Are you this? Well, yeah, kind of, but so is everything else around you, Um So your essence is part of Christ. So back to Paul. Here he is. He's at the top of his game. And then he has this experience with Christ. Talk about a spiritual rearrangement. Um, The stuff he once thought was really important. Doing all the right things so that you can become someone. Or, you know, those trivial things about, you know, what sex are you or what your ethnic origin is. He. He he says that's garbage. Well, those things are still part of him and who he is and part of his life, but it's just be, compared to being found in Christ. It's like, you know, you, instead of all those things, you realize that you are in the enfleshment of God. Um, So all our past, the things in our life, those are still a part of us. In fact, you'll never really be settled in your overall identity until you make peace with those things. Um, but compared to being in Christ, those things fade in significance or importance of who or what you are. Paul says in verse nine, I want to be found in Christ. This is a phrase he uses so much in all his writings. I think in Greek, it's en Christo. I don't know exactly how the Greek people say it, but it's a, I understand it's a pretty big theme and I've done a little bit of study on it. I think it's pretty significant. Um, I think Paul has found that we are actually all one with Christ. That's another phrase. We are the living body of Christ. This is stuff out of the New Testament. Um, So we are a part of this. Um, uh, 1 Corinthians 12 is where he says the body of Christ. Actually, that's a lot of different places. So in verse 9, of our passage that we're we're dealing with today, he also says he doesn't want to have a righteousness or a holiness or a wholeness that comes from doing or being right. He wants to understand himself in God. That's, that to me, that's actually what he's um, comparing there. So having this righteousness or wholeness that comes from doing or being right That's more where your ego or your your shadow self comes in. Um, To me, the ego is the part of me that needs gratification or that desires control or power or the part of me that fears loss or insignificance. Those are all part of my existence, part of who I am. But as we find ourselves in Christ, we let that part of us go or we let that part of us die. Um, this is what that ego thing, it's not that it's bad or evil. It's fine. In fact, it identifies us as who we are externally in this world, but it naturally fades as we discover ourselves in this Christ. I think that's what Paul and the New Testament are talking about when they talk about dying to self as opposed to this kind of like, I mean, it's still difficult giving up you know, yourself for the sake of others, and so on but but, I think we get hung up on that and and forget that it's just part of being in Christ. Paul says in verse ten, becoming like him in his death, and instead of living in this shadow self, Paul prefers his true to find his true identity within this ultimate life, and he uses the word resurrection as well for that. So, may we be found in Christ. Um, I've got kind of a longer quote, but I think I'm going to read it all. Some of you already know that Richard Rohr is a little bit of a guru for me. So To most of us, detachment sounds like losing, but is actually about accessing a deeper, broader sense of the self, which is already whole already content, already filled with abundant life. This is a part of us that has always loved God and has always said yes to God. It is the part of us that is love, and all we have to do is let go and fall into it. It's already there. Once we move our identity to that level of deep inner contentment and compassion, we realize that we're drawing upon a life that is larger than our own and from a deeper abundance. Once we learn to do that, why would we ever again settle for some scarcity model for life? Um, And this part is even better. God is already present. God's spirit is dwelling within us. We cannot search for what we already have. We cannot talk God into coming to us by longer or more urgent prayers. All we can do is become quieter, smaller, and less filled with our own self and our constant flurry of ideas and feelings then God will be obvious to us in the very now of things and in the simplicity of things. To sum it all up, we can never get there. We can only be there. So let's pray together. Um, We don't necessarily need to say anything to God, do we? We just Let ourselves and our thoughts go and find our deep identity already there in Christ. Um, Meister Eckert said, God is not found in the soul by adding anything, but by a process of subtraction. So close your eyes, if you want. Relax, sit. Take a deep breath in. Realize that you are actually breathing in Christ and then breathe out let go let go that ego breathe in Christ let go that part of you that needs gratification the part that desires control or power the part that fears loss or insignificance breathe in become one with all of Christ breathe out relax into god amen
1: yeah if if we as jeff was saying if we if we really believe that prayer First started with breath he breathed into us his life right in the very beginning so in a sense being present to to our breath is acknowledging he is with us always otherwise we're with him in a different realm
2: yeah that's a good that's great. That's really good.
1: And so too, uh, even uh um, it, that the, the whole idea of centering is sometimes just connecting to our breath, connects us with God afresh for what it's worth.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Uh I just see here on the chat that Mabel has added that she likes to lean on John 14 20, where Jesus says, In that day you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. There it is. Jesus Jesus, dropping the mic for us this morning. That's nice. May we see your hand reaching out to draw us in this week. May we recognize you in both the common and the extraordinary. And may we hear your voice transcend over the noise in this world. Amen. Thanks for joining us, guys. Thanks, Jeff, for sharing that good word with us. And uh, and we will see you in a couple weeks unless uh, you would like to chat um, before that and just reach out and let me know. All right. Have a good week, you guys.